Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Christmas morning in Jacksonville, Florida. A young wife and mother, Bonnie Hame, opens presents with her son. Bonnie's husband, Michael, captures the moment forever on video. Less than two weeks later, Bonnie disappears. What happened to Bonnie Hame? A gorgeous young mom who disappears from her Florida home one January day at the age of 23. She has never been seen. Now, interesting, her son was always plagued with nightmares that mommy was murdered. But after an investigation, that turned out not to be true. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. Bonnie Hames seemingly disappears into thin air. Where is she? I've got an all-star panel with me today. First of all, newcomer to Crime Stories, Dr. Chris Sperry, former chief medical examiner for the entire state of Georgia. He explained a lot to me when I was a prosecutor and also led me through many, many homicide trials. Frank Powers, assignment manager, News 4 Jacksonville. Dr. Jolie Silva, New York clinical forensic psychologist, worked for New York Family Court. That's a toughie. Wendy Patrick. California prosecutor, author of Red Flags. You can find it on Amazon. And Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, and author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon. To Frank Powers joining us from News 4 Jacksonville. You know, when you drive through Jacksonville, Frank Powers, it's beautiful. It's uh, there on the water. It's turning into a real tourist mecca because the perfect weather. Tell me about when she went missing. First of all, set the scene for me. Tell me about their neighborhood. It's a fairly typical middle-class neighborhood uh, on the north side of the river, about maybe 15 minutes from the airport. And you see a lot of neat houses along the uh, neighborhood. People take care of their lawns. They go to church and celebrate birthdays. You know, I, I grew up in a very rural area. And when you say middle-class, that spans well, well over half of our country. And I'm just thinking about that to Dr. Chris Sperry joining me today. Very often, people are fooled into thinking that 
people don't disappear from their neighborhood. That's just not true because you and I have been through so many, many homicides. I can't even count them, Chris. You can be rich. You can be poor. You can have your PhD. You can drop out at sixth grade. It doesn't matter. People go missing from every walk of life. Sometimes they're found and sometimes they're not, Chris. That's right. People go missing all the time and you never really think about it until someone is missing. And then suddenly it's right at the forefront of your thoughts. You know, how many times, Dr. Sperry, have you and I been in court together and you look out and you see this seemingly perfect family? You know, you, you got the whole clan there and they're all well-dressed. They are articulate. They've all got degrees. They're from a fancy area of town. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. Doesn't matter a bit. I mean, dozens over and over and over again. You know, the family that you least think is going to be uh, responsible for someone's disappearance uh, or have a family member disappear, they're the ones that are sitting there. To Wendy Patrick joining me, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags. You know, I'm looking at her picture and I'm looking at family photos, and it's hard for me to believe that this mom of this beautiful little boy just goes missing without the boy. That's the problem for me. Yeah, Nancy, it's, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about it's hard for most people, i.e. most jurors, to believe that somebody that looks like they come from a picture-perfect life could just go missing, especially when you talk about splitting up a family. But I got to tell you, and we know this firsthand nowadays with the advent of social media and Facebook, that you only see the image that somebody wants you to see. And behind every white picket fence looking yard perfect family, you just never know what secrets lie beneath. That appears to be what at least was going through some people's heads when it happened in this case. To Dr. Jolie Silva joining me, a clinical forensic psychologist. Dr. Silva, I was just thinking about this past Sunday, dragging everybody, getting everybody up, getting everybody dressed. Getting, We had to be there early this past Sunday, and I had them all dressed up beautifully. But me, you know, I just had on my same t-shirt and army jacket and cowboy boots, and I've got everybody stepped into a seat and settled, and I looked around, and it felt <laughs> that we had just poured ourselves in. And I wonder, you know, I guess a lot of families do try to give a certain image. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, anyone who even has children knows that getting out the door is a completely <laughs> different situation than when you're actually out the door. Um, you know, it, and, and I completely agree with the advent of social media we are even more inclined and more motivated to have this picture-perfect family life. What goes on inside the house is a completely different story. I mean, the level of dysfunction that can occur across socioeconomic classes, I mean, is, is, is enormous. You know, domestic violence, you know, you don't have to be in a low FES to have these kinds of violent uh, acts going on in a home. You know, and it strikes me very, very odd to Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, that she just vanishes without a trace, especially the little boy, Aaron, was just three years old when mommy goes missing. How could she go missing without a trace, Joe Scott? Yeah, I, I, I don't buy these cases where people just suddenly vanish into thin air. There's always a rationale for this happening, particularly if you're talking about a young mother who has uh, a child that's, you know, let's face it, totally and completely dependent upon her. Uh, and so uh, that would leave me as an investigator to think that there's something more to this than what people are saying. Well, we know that she goes missing. I wish you could see her like I'm seeing her right now. Beautiful. This woman has the really dark hair kind of over on the side, big smile. And it, it looks like they're in some kind of a organized family photo. She's holding the baby. 
to Frank Powers from News 4 Jacksonville. Did they only have the one child? Yes, just Aaron. Mm -hmm. And am I correct that he was three at the time she goes missing? He was three years old, and she was the one that made all the arrangements for daycare, which is another thing uh, that was curious. Um, when a mother is going to disappear, whether her you know, if she's going to go off by herself, you'd think she would be making considerations to have her child taken care of. She was the one that made all the plans for daycare. Okay, just out of curiosity, Frank, do you have children? I have two grown children and two grandchildren. Okay, then you know what I'm talking about. Did you make all the plans for their preschool and school and babysitters? We sure did. No, you specifically. Uh, no, my okay. wife took care of most of that. Yeah, because I can tell you, I have to sometimes tell David how he's supposed to pick the children up for pickup in the afternoon. You go in this way, then you wait right here, and then don't move, and make sure you have the sticker at the front or something's going to go wrong. Blah, blah. And when you <laughs> I mean, really, Dr. Julie Silva, of course the mom did it. No offense, gentlemen. Of course the mom did all the daycare planning. Please. A hundred percent. That is my <laughs> clinical opinion. The mother did all of it. But, you know, back to what Frank is saying, she's the one, I guess you're saying also she's the one that would pick the baby up and drop him off and all that, and then she just disappears with no plans. Is that what you're saying? That's what the, the situation that the police department were looking into. Why did she take off and, and, and leaving her son with an uncertain future? That was that was a big red flag. So, Frank Powers, are, are you telling me she left during the day one day and the baby, Aaron, was at daycare or preschool and then nobody was there? Is that how she went missing? It happened at night. Okay, tell me about that. According to the husband, she left after the fight. She said she was leaving him and he never called police. The police called him only after her purse was found in a dumpster near the airport. I thought that was a bad sign. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road but if you're ready for a change consider taking zen for a spin Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. There's no doubt in my mind if, if she was able to pick up a phone, she would have contacted someone 
Bonnie Hames family just can't put the pieces together. They don't know why she's not here at home with them. Bonnie's husband, Michael Hames, says they had an argument before she left the house Wednesday night. He says he thought Bonnie went to blow off some steam, but something happened. A maintenance man at this Red Roof Inn near the Jacksonville airport found a purse inside one of these dumpsters here. Inside the purse, Bonnie Hames' wallet with her credit cards and her cash still intact. That's when police got suspicious. Nothing else indicates why she should be missing other than uh, the circumstances surrounding uh, maybe some type of domestic problem with the husband and she leaves. Investigators talked to guests at the motel looking for any clues and they did question Bonnie Hames' husband, but they are not calling him a suspect. It's basically she just wasn't happy and she wanted to leave and I couldn't really stop her from leaving. But what happened after she did leave the house? The Hames say Bonnie knew about a pressing business appointment the next morning. That's just one of the reasons they say she couldn't have just left town. And there's her little boy. She wouldn't leave him. Three-year-old Aaron Heim doesn't know where his mommy is. Bonnie Heim's family is just hoping that word will come before they have to explain any bad news to the toddler. Aaron loves you. He's asking for you. And if anyone has seen her or has, you know, can shed any light on this story, just please, please let us know something. You are hearing from our friends at Channel 4 Eyewitness News. That was Mary Bear reporting on Bonnie Haim going missing. I, I, I know that a lot of people go just blow off steam and they leave the house, but it's always difficult for me to imagine to you, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor and author of Red Flags, it's always hard for me to imagine just leaving the house with the children here. It would be hard for me to just go, quote, blow off steam while they're here. No, that's absolutely correct. And it doesn't make any sense to most mothers. And, you know, you, you bring up a great example. Parents cannot relate to this. If you need to blow off steam, you don't do it in a circumstance that would leave your children home alone for an extended period of time, regardless of the differences or the arguments you're having with your spouse. So here we have her having both personally and professionally no reason to do what allegedly she do. And ever, remember, she had a business meeting the next morning. She had the three-year-old at home. It just doesn't make sense. And common sense, Nancy, as you know, during your years as a prosecutor, is something the jurors don't leave at the door. It's highly suspicious. We're trying to make sense of the disappearance of a gorgeous young mom, Bonnie Hain, but then everything changes to me, Dr. Chris Berry, when her pocketbook is found in a dumpster. It's one thing, and I know people do it every day, to just leave. You just get fed up. Maybe it's an abusive relationship. Maybe you're just worn out with the whole thing. It's not what you signed up for, and you just leave. Got it. But the pocketbook in the dumpster, Chris, that's a problem. Oh, suddenly it, it's immediately suspicious. You know, that's, you may not know at that point what the degree of suspicion is or what the focus is, but... Uh, finding a pocketbook inside a dumpster is immediate cause for concern, period. Dr. Sperry, in cases that you and I have tried together and the many, many other thousands you handled, there's that one tipping point. There's that one fact that changes everything. And for me, it was finding her pocketbook, her pocketbook thrown in a dumpster. Is it always like that in a case where there's that one fact that changes everything it can be. It's not always, and it, it would be nice if, if that were the case, but uh, those, those instances where there is something, as you said, a tipping point, 
those completely change the complexion of the case and usually is the focus that starts an actual real investigation. Unfortunately, many cases are not like that, though. They can go on for days or even weeks just with nothing. Um, you're looking for the one thing that may open the door or at least show that something serious has happened, something of great concern has happened. Um, and if you find that, then, then it's very fortunate. But if you don't find that, uh, cases can just drag on and on and on, as you well know. Yeah, they can drag on forever. To Frank Powers, assignment manager, News 4 Jacksonville. Frank, tell me about where her purse was found. It was uh, in a dumpster behind a motel near the airport. And also, what troubling to the police when they found that purse, was $1,200 in it. So they knew right off the bat, whatever happened to Bonnie Haim, it wasn't a robbery. Wow. Okay, Joseph Scott Morgan, weigh in. What does this tell you? Well, you know, the, the pocketbook in and of itself, uh, with with a lady that, that is managing her life, the life of her children, the, the life of her family, uh, it, and it's just kind of tossed aside, and she's attempting to disappear or fade away, if that's the impression that's being given. This this is not something that, that would fall in line with, with a logical progression here. Uh, it, it's it's an odd bit of, of, of information coming in. There's been a number of cases over the years where you'll have folks that will be involved in a nefarious event and their car will wind up parked at, a, at, a, at an airport in, in order to give the appearance that they're just blasting off. But why would, you, why would you leave your car at the airport and then not take anything with you to subsist off of? It, it's, it's very strange. Now, we know, though, Bonnie was leaving her husband and that she had prepared to leave her husband. She had even opened a bank account in her own name. She had kept her plan secret. She had the bank statements mailed to her at work. We also know that she had planned to put the baby in a different preschool. She was making all these plans to leave her husband, and then she disappears. So seemingly, that's part of her plan that was uncovered after her disappearance except the pocketbook with the money in it. Listen to this. On the evening she disappeared, Bonnie came home from work at about 7.30 p.m. She intended to drop by Evans later to finalize plans for a friend's baby shower. About 8.30 that evening, she called me on the phone. Hi. Um, listen, about tonight, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm really she was sorry. crying and she was upset. Bonnie, is something the matter? And I asked her if she wanted me to call her back later. And she said no, that she would just talk to me in the morning. Oh, actually, not too good. I think I'm coming down with something. But the next morning, neither Bonnie nor Michael showed up at work. Well, she got mad at me last night and took off. Uh, I don't know where she's at. Hopes for Bonnie's safe return began to fade that same morning. Her purse turned up only five miles from home, buried in a motel dumpster near the Jacksonville airport. Robbery apparently was not a motive due to the amount of money and the credit cards being there. The purse was secured by the maintenance worker and a police officer was called to the scene along with family members. You are hearing our friends at Unsolved Mysteries. You know, how many cases have been cracked to Wendy Patrick by a maintenance worker? A maintenance worker finds a pocketbook, finds a driver's license, finds a body. I mean, they are a source of a lot of information when cases are cracked. Have you ever noticed that, Wendy? 
I've actually never considered it until right now. You know, I have. They're often our best witnesses, and they're often viewed as very credible because they don't have the kind of motive to lie or to make anything up. They're often just good Samaritans who are horrified in some of these discoveries they've made, like in this case, and just want to do the right thing as quickly as possible by alerting the authorities. So yes, thank God they're employed in the ways that they are so they can give us the kind of circumstantial evidence we need. Tell me to Frank Powers from News 4 Jacksonville about the search for Bonnie Haim. What was done to find her? Well, police searched all over the area. They even brought in psychics. Um, They searched uh, the neighborhood. They asked for tips via Crime Stoppers. Didn't get a whole lot of tips. And then they found her car, and that was at the airport. And it was the way they found the car that, again, pointed to foul play. Speaking of psychics, take a listen to our friend Scott Johnson, WJXT News for Jacksonville. The woman who rented the house claims that there were ghosts in the house, things like candles that would light themselves, mattresses that would all of a sudden turn bloody, then all of a sudden not be bloody, that investigators with police at the time brought in psychics to try and help crack this case. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Stories with Nancy Grace. Bonnie Hay was born May 20th, 1969. And at 18 years old, she married her high school sweetheart. Her fairy tale would continue two years later with the birth of young Aaron Hay, the apple of her eye, the love of her life. And even though Bonnie was a young woman, Aaron was everything. And she was a great mother. But as things happened, Bonnie and this defendant began to drift apart. And it wasn't much longer, about three years later, in December of 1992, that Bonnie Hayne had made the decision to leave this defendant. I want to go first to Dr. Jolie Silva, a New York clinical forensic psychologist. 
what is that? You drift apart. Why do couples always say that's the reason for their divorce? They drifted apart. Yeah, when you're working and you're raising children and you're trying to cook dinner. I mean, I hardly notice when David walks by. I'm sure he doesn't want to hear that. But that's the reality because, you know, you're, you're trying to get through the day. You're trying to get everything done for the children and for work. Of course, you drift apart, but it, it's your duty to try to make it work. You know, I mean, the human brain is only capable of doing so much in a given day. And when you have to worry about things like, what are the kids going to wear to school? I have to sign this note. I have to pick up this. I have to do that. There's only, your brain only has so much capacity to focus on romance and love and let's connect. You just don't have <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, man, to hear for you to actually hear this me laughing when you said romance. And I really hope <laughs> that my husband or really any of his family is not listening right now. Romance? <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, I think last night I slept four hours and I counted myself very lucky. Okay, now hold on. Yeah, I've, got, right. I've got another fact. I've got another clue here that probably Frank Powers already knows. What can you tell me about her vehicle, her car? Well, the car was found up at the uh, Jacksonville International Airport, and she's a tiny woman, but the position they found the driver's seat in, it was pushed back. Not, not a position you, you'd find. I'm like, I'm six foot three. I have it pushed back all the way. A gal who's like barely over five feet tall, she's going to have that up very close to the steering wheel. And that's not the way they found front driver's seat. You know, you're making things flash through my mind, Frank Powers. Every time David tries to get into my beat up minivan, he's 6'4". I'm 5'1". He looks at me like I've done something wrong because he has to put the seat back. I'm like, you know what? Go drive your own car if you don't like it. So what I don't get is even now, I mean, Joseph Scott Morgan, that was a big clue for me um, as, as Chris Berry and I were talking about a tipping point in a case when Tara Grinstead's car seat was pushed back and she was one of those neat freaks. Joe Scott Morgan, Tara Grinstead's car would still smell new. It had that new smell. Everything was pristine, but when they found her car parked back in her garage the night of her disappearance, it was covered in mud, and the seat was pushed back, just like Frank Powers is describing. That's a big clue. Yeah, it is. It goes to the specific nature of the way the individual that's connected to that vehicle lives their life, and that's part of the bigger narrative when you're when you're investigating a case like this, and that, that's a huge question. Uh, now, if you're talking about a seat that's pushed all the way back, the presumption here is that the individual that was in it was probably a male uh, that was driving the vehicle because the seat is so so far back in its position compared to her. Who would have been in this car uh, other than her? Who would have access to it? And that's one of the things as investigators that we're going to want to look at. You know, the reality is that that tells me she was not the last person to drive her car. Now, it could be argued she had a boyfriend. And they flew off together. The car was at the airport. Didn't we see that in one of Drew Peterson's wives, the car or something was at the airport? I mean, that's an old straight out of the criminal how-to book. But her car's at the airport. The seat's pushed back. Her pocketbook with $1,200 cash in it is found in a dumpster. I can pretty well say she didn't just leave with another guy. Then the nightmares start with baby Aaron. Baby Aaron's mommy is gone at age three. And what really concerns me is the nature of these nightmares. He tries to explain them to people, Dr. Silva. He dreams that mommy was in timeout. He dreams mommy is asleep and can't be woken up. He says daddy put her in timeout. 
He says all sorts of things like mommy's underwater, all sorts of scary things. And I know I keep diverting us, but we all know the case of Susan Powell. She disappeared in the middle of the night, and her husband, Josh Powell, says he took the family camping. It was zero degrees that night at midnight when he went camping with his two little boys. She's never seen again. One of them draws a picture, and it's Mommy in a car trunk. Now, does that prove a case? No, it doesn't, Dr. Jelly Silva. The problem with Aaron's dreams and his stories is they're all over the place. Mommy's underwater. Mommy's in timeout. Mommy's asleep in the bed and won't wake up. I mean, his stories vary too much for authorities to really take any one of them seriously, Dr. Silva. You know, the fact that he, that he had repeated nightmares like that is a clear indicator that there was violence, domestic violence, that he witnessed some pretty bad things happening in the home. Um, you know, there were reports that he also said, Mom, Daddy hurt Mommy. Uh, Daddy shot Mommy. Daddy put Mommy in timeout. All of these things. Um, but to pinpoint that to a specific memory of daddy killing mommy would be very hard, a very hard thing to prove. But he clearly had, you know, some, a traumatic experience and a traumatic history. At age three, those things are real. A three-year-old has real experiences, and clearly there was violence going on in the home. Well, this is how I had to do it, Wendy Patrick, fellow prosecutor. When you have a child witness, and everyone looks at you as if you had the plague when you put a child on the stand. But there's one shot for the prosecution to win a case. One shot to put the bad guy behind bars. And if you have to put a child up to do it, then you hold your nose and you put the child up there and you're the strong one. You have to do it. And it, there's just really no, no choice. But they don't talk like we talk. For instance, I would say in felony indictments, you have to show the jurisdiction, of course, what happened as best as you can, name the crime like murder. You may not know how the crime was committed. You may not know exactly when it was committed, which is a requirement for an indictment. That gives the defendant notice of when they had to defend themselves on that particular date so they can work up an alibi, for instance. But children don't always know dates. So I would say things like, was the Christmas tree up? Had the Easter bunny come? Were you wearing short pants or in a, a tank top? Or were you wearing a sweater and long pants to try to get some idea, some framework to, to make out the indictment. They don't talk like we do. You have to unlock what they're saying. And sometimes it takes a really long time, Wendy. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Nancy. And that's also one of the reasons sometimes when I've watched your jury, I'd like to know whether there's anyone there that has no experience with children, because you have to have that experience to understand the way they communicate. And as you mentioned, there are ways in which you can circumstantially prove when an event occurred. Birthdays, it's gosh, especially if it's theirs. They usually remember what kind of a cake they had. So, too, that establishes the kind of credibility you need to lend some credence to some of these other things that children remember. Very important points. You know, back to Frank Powers, assignment manager, News 4 Jacksonville. Frank, so we've got Aaron left without a mommy. What becomes of him and dad, Michael? Well, Michael goes on with his life, uh, and some thought that that was a little too quick when he met another woman and married her. And then wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. When did he meet another woman? How soon after Bonnie going missing? It was, it was about a year. Hmm. About you a know, year that he uh, found another woman and they started Why is that? I need to shrink on this one. Dr. Silva, why is it that women grieve and grieve and grieve and vow they'll never love again 
And then the man runs off with another woman like in within 12 months. He's happily resettled somewhere. How does that work? Um, you know, I don't know if that would necessarily be the case for all, you know, people who split up. But in this case, there was there was clearly uh, a lot of dysfunction going on with this man. You know, I don't know if, if, there, if he had some kind of antisocial personality where he didn't really care very much um, about his wife and didn't really care very much about other women in general. So he probably, you know, had no remorse and just had no feelings for the fact that his wife was gone. Long story short, Frank, isn't it true he leaves? You just told me a new fact about remarrying and relocating to North Carolina. But what about Aaron, the baby? Aaron was eventually adopted by the Frazier family. Okay, hold on. Whoa, 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 wait. The mom goes missing and he adopts the baby out. He allowed the baby to be adopted outright. And it wasn't the uh, Bonnie Hames side of the family that adopted him. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Michael worked as a manager in the construction supply company owned by his aunt, Evan, and her husband. Bonnie did their accounts. Evan claims that Michael was often abusive to Bonnie at the office. Evan also says that at least once, Michael's abuse became physical. One day, they got into an argument and a fight in the parking lot. And she came in crying, and he had slammed her hand in the door, and her nails were broke, and she was very upset at that point. Bonnie decided to leave her husband. In preparation, she opened a bank account in her own name. To keep her plans secret, Bonnie had the bank statements mailed to her at work. Ivan says Michael somehow found out and was furious. You are hearing from our friends at Unsolved Mysteries regarding the disappearance of Bonnie Haim throughout his life. Aaron, the three-year-old, when mommy goes missing, is tortured by dreams, by what he thinks recollections about what happened to his mom. He told everyone he knew, and seemingly no one would listen to Aaron Haim until finally he wins the deed to his childhood home in North Jacksonville. He goes back to the home. Listen to our friend Scott Johnson, WJXT News 4, Jacksonville. He took possession of the home around 2003 and leased it to renters. Then he was planning to sell the home in 2014 and was removing the pool and an external shower. Here in the dirt, underneath the shower, he finds a bag. I accidentally um, busted up the bag and I saw what I describe as a something that looked like coconut. Um, it was a fibrous material, just like a, like a brown coconut. The coconut was, in fact, the skull of his biological mother. I picked up the coconut object, and it ended up being the, the top portion of her skull. Um, I looked at it. We, I, hand, I had it in my hand. Um, I didn't really see anything. I handed it to Thad. And he looked back in the hole, and we could see teeth. And that, at that point in time, you could, you could see the top portion of her eye sockets. You are hearing... Aaron Haim, now Aaron Frazier, describing his quest ending in his own backyard. Throughout his life, he is tortured about what happened to his mom. Where is mommy? He wins back the deed to his childhood home in Jacksonville and makes this horrible, horrible discovery. To Dr. Chris Berry, former chief medical examiner, 
or the state of Georgia, once you've seen a human skull, you know it when you see it. You know it's not an animal skull. You know what it is. There's just some things you don't confuse. That's one of them. What would that have looked like? Uh, it really looks round. You know, the whole top of the skull and most of the head is uh, just round and round and smooth. And, you know, he described it as thinking it was a coconut, which actually makes rather s- sense because, the, you know, the, the mind looking, looking at a skull, especially this, the top of the skull like this, um, on one hand, you know, the brain, you know, maybe knows what it is or suspects, but you don't, the other part of your brain doesn't want to really admit that this is a human skull. Now, the lower parts, uh, and he describes seeing the orbits, once you get down to the lower part of the skull, then uh, it doesn't look like anything else. You know, that there's, you know, the eye sockets and the, the cheekbones and everything else begins to fall into place. But um, it's very easy to see how the, initially he thought that this was something else. To Dr. Sperry, how long does it take for a body buried under soil to become skeletonized? An unembalmed body like this, the buried like this, within easily somewhere about six to eight months, uh, there would be complete skeletonization. That is, all the, the soft tissue would be gone. It takes about a year for the the greasiness on the bones to disappear. So that's a general way to tell how long a body has been buried is by looking at the bones. And if there's still a greasy or waxy feeling uh, coating on the bones, it's been less than a year. Okay, now you just told me something new. After all these years, Dr. Sperry, why are bones, human bones, as you say, greasy? I've never heard that before. Oh, well, it's because our bodies... Uh, all of our bodies, of course, have a lot of muscle, but we also have, have fat. And uh, the fat degenerates actually relatively slowly. And as the uh, soft tissues, the muscle, the other organs generally decompose and dissolve, uh, the fat remains behind as just kind of a, a, a greasy, slimy residue. The bones, of course, will last uh, for years, but this slimy residue will stay on the bones until eventually, you know, it, it is decomposed and the bones then become uh, clean, if you will. Uh, they may be brown, discolored from being down in the ground. The greasy residue from the, the decomposing fat, that stays apparent. Like I said, it's, it's easily visible and you can feel it when you're feeling the bones in gloved hands. For, you know, for about a year. Okay, I just had to, to pause and let and uh, digest everything you just told me. i give you something else to digest. Hit me. Uh, what came out was that police searched that uh, yard a couple times, including with ground-penetrating radar, didn't find anything. And it's believed that uh, the body was somewhere else. And then they get a mysterious letter in 1996 that Bonnie Haynes' remains were in the backyard. They never followed that up. Oh, my stars. Okay. Frank Powers, assignment manager, News 4 Jacksonville. Tell me that again. When the remains were found in 2014, police had said, we searched that backyard a couple of times, including with ground-penetrating radar. They didn't find anything. What came out was that apparently the body was somewhere else. In 1996, don't know from who, an anonymous letter came to the police department say, search the backyard now because her remains are there. They never did. 
So in excavating and getting into the pool, they come across a plastic sheeting that looks like maybe a bag. He, the son, now grown, breaks it open with a shovel, reaches inside, and finds his own mother's skull. He says he could actually see the top of the eye socket. So the case goes to trial because who else could it have been other than Michael Hame? Right? Sounds simple. Take a listen to this. You would agree, Mr. Hame, you had the motive to murder Bobby Hame, correct? I don't think so. You would agree that you would have had the opportunity to murder Bobby Hame, correct? Wouldn't do anything like that. That's not my question. My question is, you have the opportunity to kill her if you wanted to, correct? Yes. And you would agree that you would have had the ability to kill her physically? I disagree on that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Those times were here, right? Never saw anything in this world with anything. But you were much stronger and bigger than Bonnie, correct? Michael Haim was convicted over 20 years later because his son, Aaron, never gave up on what happened to mommy. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's Best Hybrid Mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. 
Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner.